Celebrate Recovery is the message this morning. Uh, breaking a little bit from our Matthew series today, but also actually includes some stories that are in Matthew. Uh, so it'll sort of be hanging, hanging in there with uh, uh, what came up next after our topic last week with the centurion servant and the leper. Um, I'm calling, uh, subtitling this message, Helping Those with Hurts, Habits, and Hang-Ups. Uh, let's start things off this morning with some, some of those hated statistics. Ready? You want to look at some statistics? Uh, I got them on the screen here, so uh, you can try to comprehend them. Um, it's a little mind-boggling. But according to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, the NCDAS, um, among Americans aged 12 years and older, 31.9 million Americans are current illegal drug users, meaning they've used in the last 30 days. 11.7% um, of Americans, 12 and over, use illegal drugs. 53 million, or 19.4% of people 12 and over, have used illegal drugs or misused prescription drugs within the last year. If alcohol and tobacco are included, 165 million or 60.2% of Americans age 12 years or older currently abuse drugs and assuming that tobacco, and I know tobacco is a legal product, but it, it's also very addictive too. Uh, and uh, th this was in the last 30 days. Um, 139.8 million Americans, 12 and over, drink alcohol. 14.8 million, or 10.6% of them, have an alcohol use disorder. 58.8 million people use tobacco. 31.9 million use illegal drugs. 8.1 million, or 25.4% of illegal drug users, have a drug disorder. 2 million people, or 24.7% of those with drug disorders, have an opioid disorder. This includes prescription pain relievers and painkillers and heroin. Accidental drug overdose is a leading cause of death among persons under the age of 45. Over 70,000 drug overdose deaths occur in the U.S. annually. The number of overdose deaths increases at an annual rate of 4%. From 2012 to 2015, the U.S. saw a 264% increase in synthetic opioid, other than methadone, deaths. Between 1999 and 2017, over 700,000 people have died uh, of drug overdose in the U.S. Though legal, alcohol kills over 95,150 Americans every year. And among the 15 million individuals with alcohol use disorder, less than 8% receive treatment. Okay, so besides uh, giving us all a headache, <laughs> uh, what do these staggering numbers tell us? Uh, America has a very severe drug and alcohol problem. We see it on the news all the time, don't we? And it's even worse when you stop to realize that each one of these numbers that were up on the board here represent a human being who is suffering from an, an addiction uh, and is 
con uh, that, that, that is controlling and that is destroying their lives. And usually includes a loved one as well, a parent or a spouse who is suffering with them. We look at those statistics and we wonder, well, yeah, but what can we do? Uh, last week I mentioned the homeless epidemic that our country is experiencing, especially in many of our large cities. A huge cause of homelessness is substance abuse or substance ad addiction. And again, we ask, you know, what, what can we do? You know, how, how in the world could we help? Many of us have heard the story of a couple who were walking along the beach one day when they discovered thousands upon thousands of starfish that had washed up on the shore. There were so many that you, you couldn't even begin to count them. And if they remained there on the beach, they would all die. The woman started picking up starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. The husband said, what are you doing that for? I mean, wh what difference could you make with so many here on the beach? And as she held a starfish and threw it into the ocean, she said, well, it made a difference for that one. <laughs> People who are hurting in this world number in the millions. The homeless. People suffering from domestic abuse. People dealing with alcohol and drug abuse. The number of hurting people in this world is overwhelming. Just to think of the millions that were up on the board just then. What can we do to help this little church at Stony Brook? Well, we can't help everybody. That's true. It's just too much. But perhaps we could help a few people who live in our community. If we offered a safe place for anyone who's experiencing any number of hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and we could help a few to overcome those things. While we can't make a difference in the homeless problem in San Francisco, uh, perhaps we can make a difference in the lives of a few people here in Wilson. This morning, I want to introduce to you a ministry that, that we'd like to start here at Stony Brook. It's called Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christian-based 12-step plan that is designed to help people recover from any number of hurts, habits, and hang-ups that they might be experiencing, like drug or alcohol abuse or addiction. Uh, which, but, we could, but this program is also designed to help uh, overcome other hurts, habits, and hang-ups that people might have, like, like severe anger issues or an addiction to a sexual sin like pornography. Jesus encountered people throughout his ministry. Daryl was, was highlighting some of those things today uh, during uh, his devotion. Uh, people that suffered from things that hurt them, uh, that was destroying their lives and their relationship with God and with their relationships with people around them. People like Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus struggled from the sin of greed. It consumed him. And it led him to steal people's money by uh, being a dishonest tax collector. The rich man that, that uh, Jesus encountered, we read in Matthew chapter 19, uh, who loved his money and his possessions more than he loved God. Jesus helped Zacchaeus uh, see the error of his way, and he helped him overcome his greed. He actually went and gave back the money that he had stolen from people. The rich man, however, left Jesus very sad because he could not let go of his great wealth. He just loved it.
too much. And one thing we know, and maybe you've experienced in trying to help people, is not everybody is willing to do what it takes to overcome a hurt habit or a hang-up. One of the greatest examples of Jesus helping someone with a severe struggle in their life was a man who was possessed by a demon. Now, why demon possession is not something that we necessarily recognize in our American culture much today, uh, and I'll just say that Celebrate Recovery Ministry does not deal with demon possession. (laughs) Uh, There's not a demon possession category uh, in that. There's no exorcism section in in Celebrate Recovery. you know, I, th- I think many people uh, do deal with, uh, who are dealing with drug and alcohol abuse might feel like they're possessed by the demon of alcohol and drugs. Uh, certainly, I think Satan uses things like that to tempt people and to control their lives and destroy their lives, much like a demon would. The story of Jesus healing the demon-possessed man is certainly a, a great example of how someone can be saved by Jesus from something that is totally controlling their life. As Jesus uh, continues with his ministry after healing the leper and the centurion servant that we talked about last week, let me get my pointer out here, uh, Jesus decides that he wants to go to the other side of the lake uh, to, or, or the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they were in what is called at the time the triangles that some people call the triangle. Now this is the Sea of Galilee, and uh, this area right here is, is sometimes called the triangle. It is in the, um, the northwestern part of the Sea of Galilee, um, and this is the, the place where, where many of the Pharisees could be located if it was dominated by more orthodox types Jews like, like the Pharisees. Um, it included um, the cities of Gennesaret, Chorazin, uh, Capernaum, and also Bethsaida was a, was a Pharisee stronghold as well. If you come down here to Tiberias, uh, this is where Herod hung out a lot. And, um, and a lot of the Herodian or Hellenistic Jews uh, lived in the Tiberias area. Tiberias uh, or Hel- Hellenistic Jews were uh, Jews that, that were not so orthodox. They, they sort of uh, hung with the Greeks, and they, they adapted the Greek culture more. They were Jews, but they, they, they adapted the Greek culture more. Um, uh, over here in Gamla uh, is, is where the Essenes uh, often hung out. Um, and it's interesting that uh, I was listening to a podcast of, of a guy named Marty Solomon, who's a Jewish scholar, and he talked about um, the Sea of Galilee is not a, if you some of you have been and seen it, right? Uh, and it's not that big of a place. I mean, it's, it's, it's not this huge like the, the Great Lakes up in Michigan. It's a pretty small bed of, body of water. Um, and it's amazing how this man said that, uh, Marty said he stood on Mount Arbel. And you could, from Mount Arbel, you could see all these, all these areas from that mountain. And they're not that far away. All these communities live very near each other. Uh, Jesus decided that he wanted to go from from this area, the triangle, triangle area, my battery's dying, uh, to the other side of the lake, Hippos, down at the bottom here. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Um, he wanted to go to, uh, across the lake to Hippos, one of the Decapolis cities. You might have heard of the Decapolis. The Decapolis cities were ten, or that, Decapolis means ten cities. Uh, they were cities that were set up by Alexander the Great. 
uh, and uh, they were a stronghold for Romans and in Hippos over here uh, that was a, a huge Roman colony or Roman uh, community uh, and Jews generally never traveled there uh, they never went across the lake to Hippos to the Decapolis uh, because of, of, of its Roman influence and its pagan influence uh, and again they were very near each other I mean um, Marty Solomon said you could you could walk all the way around the lake in a in a day. It would take you all day, but it, uh, it it's it's amazing how close everything is, yet how divided the king, the the people were around the lake. Um, most Jews would not be caught dead in the Decapolis, yet Jesus decided that's where he wanted to go on this day. Um, let's read what happened. Uh, be uh, from the Gospel of Mark, this time, chapter 5. This story is also in Matthew, but Mark gives a little bit more detail. So I'm going to go from the Mark uh, passage. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes, where Jesus got out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You know, as soon as Jesus gets out of the boat, he was confronted by this man who had been made crazy uh, and out of control by an impure spirit or a demon. Now, again, demon possession is not something that you and I deal with much today uh, in our American culture, uh, but it does exist, uh, especially in some other parts of the world and uh, places where paganism still exists. Um, the worship of demons is found. Uh, you will find more demon possession. Um, places like Togo, where we several of us visited several years ago, a uh, lot of paganism there and demon possession. Uh, Hammer, the missionary that we have supported in the past, uh, could testify, and I think Jeff Hostetter could too, of, of incidents they've seen there in West Africa uh, where demon possession is alive and, 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 and running. Um, I know a few people here in America who, have, who believe they have witnessed people who uh, were possessed by a demon. And, and in, interestingly, uh, one person I'm thinking of was involved there her family was involved in satan worship and um and where, which might be where that came from uh, but you and i probably have never met anybody or know of anyone who is has been possessed by a demon Maybe we've wondered sometimes uh but uh but we probably don't know of anyone for sure that's been possessed by a demon uh, but it seems it was very common uh in the first century uh, especially among the pagan communities this man uh, lived, in, lived in this Roman pagan area, uh, in the heart of Roman uh, pagan area, and his body had been taken over by a demon. And this demon had a name. Let's read about it, verse 6 through 10. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? 
My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. The demon, Legion, knew exactly who Jesus was. He knew, uh, without being told, that he was the Son of God. He also knew that Jesus had the power to force him out. He didn't have any, any say in the matter. He knew Jesus was more powerful than him. And he begged Jesus not to send him out of the area, so Jesus obliged him. Let's read. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He, he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Pretty clever of Jesus, wasn't it? Uh, to send his, the, the demons into this herd of pigs. They stayed in the area, and then they all promptly drowned. <laughs> Uh, uh, I should have put the picture up here. Actually, uh, Marty uh, Solomon had a picture of these cliffs. That it's, it's the only possible place this could have happened around the whole lake. It's the only place where cliffs actually run right down straight into the water. And most people think that's exactly where that happened. And it's right there across from Hippos, from uh, we were, where we were talking about on the map there. Let's read verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their area. They were afraid of, of, of a man that had that kind of power. When Jesus drove the demon out of this man, um, you know, suddenly this man was instantly in his right mind. Um, he put on his clothes. He realized he was, and I think Matthew says that he was, he was naked. Um, he put his clothes back on. He, he, he was returned to sanity instantly. That was always the way Jesus' miracles worked. It wasn't a slow, gradual uh, improvement. It was an instant improvement. Jesus, uh, he wanted, uh, uh, as, as you can imagine, um, people, some people were afraid of him, uh, but the demon-possessed man was not afraid of him. And, and as we read verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat uh, to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Let me go with you, Jesus. But Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has, has mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So this man, freed from his demon, who knows how long he had been that way. Um, but he, it was a horrible situation where he had been cutting himself and just, you know, filthy and, um, and running around. Having been, not been able to, to interact with people for a long time. When he was healed, naturally, he wanted to go with the man who had healed him. That makes sense. Um, but unlike the leper that we talked about last week, uh, you may remember Jesus told him after he healed the leper, now go, don't tell anyone, just go to the priest to be cleansed, uh, declared clean, but don't tell anyone, Matthew 8, verse 4. 
But here Jesus tells this man that he healed from the demon possession, you go tell everyone. Now why the difference? Why did he tell the, the, the demon-possessed man to go tell everybody, but he told the leper not to do that? And he did that on different occasions, those different responses. Well, it's sort of what we talked about last week with the, the Gentile centurion. You know, uh, pagans had many gods. Uh, they, they, they worshipped many gods in their religion. And so they were not afraid to add more gods to their list. You know, more, more gods, the better. You know, if, if you got a god, let, let, make sure we know about it because we don't want to miss any gods. And so they were always ready to add more gods to their god list. Uh, so perhaps Jesus wanted this man to tell people about a God who had real power, just like with the centurion's servant. Um, uh, this is a God that could actually do what he claimed to do, uh, who could actually, uh, he, he actually cared about people and loved them. Unlike their pagan gods, uh, who usually only cared about themselves, and they could do nothing. <laughs> they had no powers uh, and, of course, they, they, they could do nothing because they, they weren't real. <laughs> they were made up. Uh, but their mythology taught that their gods were selfish, childish, greedy beings that used people for their own interests. But Jesus was different. He was so different from those gods. And this man's testimony, perhaps Jesus knew, could help people see the difference and him and their gods. Many feel that Jesus often told Jews that he healed or helped not to tell people, perhaps because he knew that they were not ready to hear about it yet. Um, you know, adding a new God to, for the Jews was not a good thing at all. Uh, and it would take some time for the Jews to understand that Jesus wasn't a new God. Uh, rather, he was the prophesied Messiah, that, uh, that, that had been promised to Abraham and their ancestors so many years before. Um, and perhaps he would tell them not to tell because he knew they weren't quite ready to hear it. Of course, they would always go tell anyway, but he would, he would often say, don't tell anyone. Jesus healed this man of his demon, and he told him to go and tell everybody at home about what had happened to him. And I'm sure he did. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have gone and told everybody uh, uh, if, if someone was able to make it possible for a heavy burden, a, a life-destroying sickness, uh, a debilitating condition that, that you had no power uh, to be relieved of, if someone helped you remove that heavy burden from your life, uh, wouldn't you want to tell anybody that, that you could tell that, that would hear uh, about that person that helped you overcome this tremendous burden? Of course, we all would. And no doubt this man did just that. Uh, Jesus had the power to drive this demon out of this man. And you know what? He still has the power to do that in our lives too. Um, there are people around us, people we know, uh, people perhaps in our family, uh, somebody we work with or maybe somebody in our family or somebody in our very home who is possessed by the demon of addiction. And this addiction has completely controlled their lives. Maybe they've tried many, many times to rid their lives of this debilitating addiction, but have failed over and over and over again. 
maybe to them and to their loved ones, it seems hopeless. But with Jesus, nothing is hopeless. Chemical dependency can be overcome, but you cannot overcome it alone. You need the power of God, the power that God has, uh, that, will, that can and will supply you through the Holy Spirit if, if you are, accept Jesus as your Savior. Power that, that gives you the ability to do things you cannot do without it. Uh, you need the support and the encouragement of God's people who can stand by your side and help you through the journey. Uh, you need the power of the Word of God that provides the path to recovery. Well, here at Stony Brook, we want to provide a way to give hope and recovery to people in our community who are suffering from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But in order to do that, we need some help from you, our spiritual family here at Stony Brook. Do you have a heart for hurting people? Have you, have you seen people around you, people you know, friends you have, family members, you have a heart for them, you just wish you could do something for them. Um, have you ever wanted to help someone suffering from, from a chemical addiction or other issue uh, in their life that, that keep them imprisoned so they can't experience the joys of life that God can offer them? People that have no control over their anger or suffering from debilitating depression if you have any desire to help minister to hurting people with destructive habits or hang-ups in their lives, we want to invite you to join us as we begin Celebrate Recovery. We're going to start by asking those who are interested among our church family uh, uh, to actually go through the program themselves. Uh, we're not going to just start and invite people to come in. We, we, we want to go through it ourselves uh, so that we can see and better understand how this ministry can help people find recovery. Perhaps you're, you're not sure if that's something for you. Uh, you. You don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I certainly would understand that. Uh, I'm, just in, and I'm just introducing this to you today, so I want you to let it soak in. Think about it and pray about it for a, a while. Um, uh, and if you're in a category where you think, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure if I would be interested in helping with that, I encourage you to just start with us. Start with us and just see what it's all about. No obligation uh, will be on you to, to join and to become a part of it. Um, if nothing else, it would help you know what to pray for uh, as those who do join in the ministry uh, work with it. Uh, not everybody is going to be made for a ministry like this, and, and we understand that. But all of us can pray for it. Uh, we can pray for those who are called to it. As we work our way through the curriculum, and it's, a, and it's actual a curriculum, like a Sunday school sort of, uh, or a Bible study curriculum, um, all of us will learn and better understand how much we all need the power of God to deal with the challenges of our life. Uh, and, and to better serve Jesus. So uh, even if you're not dealing with uh, some kind of addiction or, or, or major uh, hurt habit or hang-up in your life, um, I guarantee you, if you go through this program, you'll, you'll be a stronger person, and you'll maybe even recognize some weaknesses 
that you didn't even realize you had, and you can better deal with them. We will begin our celebration recovery training on Tuesday, March the 8th at 6 o'clock. Tuesday, March the 8th at 6 o'clock. We're going to meet weekly and work our way through all the sessions. Uh, and the sessions will include a short time of worship, which will probably be from YouTube or something. Um, we'll review the 12 steps uh, and the biblical comparisons that go with the 12 steps. We'll review the eight principles that are based on the Beatitudes. Uh, we'll do that every week. Uh, we'll hear a short lesson on the planned topic. And then we'll have a time where we'll divide into men's and women's groups. The one thing that Celebrate Recovery always does is when you get to the discussion time, uh, you always divide up in men's and women's groups uh, to discuss the topic that was presented. Um, now, none of us have ever been through this, so we don't really know uh, uh, what it's all about either. We, we, we understand the principles of it, and we've looked at some of the material, uh, but none of us have been through it. So we'll all be going through this together and growing together in it. Now, during these sessions, you will experience what later we will offer to people in our community uh, who, are, who are seeking and need to seek recovery. And while, again, you may not be suffering from chemical dependency or a chemical addiction in your life, you will likely experience some tools that can help strengthen your relationship with God. So it will be beneficial to us all. And then, when we feel like we're ready, and we're not going to be in any hurry, we're not going to set a date, we've got we to start it on this date. When we feel like we're ready, it might take a couple of months, um, then we will open up, celebrate recovery to our community, and we'll invite people to come in uh, to seek recovery. That's the program, and that's, that's the basic uh, outline of what, what we're going to do and why we're going to do it, and we're going to learn and grow in this together. I, I, I will just say that there's, there are um, four or five different key positions that need to be filled, um, there are uh, uh, people that might want to sit and, sit and um, um, help with a, a discussion group, uh, men and, or women, respectively. Um, there are prayer warriors that we would need, uh, just people that would maybe come. We also probably will prepare a meal for when we open it up to the community for um, people to enjoy a meal before we go to worship. So we might need help with preparing and serving meals. Um, uh, and we're, you know, we're going to probably start with um, chemical addiction, uh, alcohol and drugs, and then later expand to, um, to more uh, areas that, uh, and uh, hang-ups, habits, and, and um, uh, hurts that people have. Uh, but we don't want to bite off more than we can chew at the very beginning, so we'll probably focus at first on offering something for in our community for those who are dealing with chemical addiction. Um, so that's the program. Be praying about it. We're, I, don't, I don't think there's a sign-up sheet out there yet, but, but don't even think about signing up today. <clears throat> Go home and pray about it this week. And, and, and if you have a question, come up. Uh, I'll be up here after the service today. Come up here and ask me a, a, a question that you might have. I, I don't know everything about it, but I do know a few things, how, how it works. Um, 
We do have a, a couple of people that are ready to go ahead and jump in and volunteer, uh, but we're going to need some more help. We're going to need some backup help uh, because some, some people can't be here every single week, so we might need a, um, um, a backup for each position. So think about it, pray about it this week, and then we'll talk about it some more next week. Let's bathe this in prayer right now. Father God, we are so thankful um, for your examples that we see in Scripture um, of how you um, healed people of their many hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, uh, hurts, habits, and hang-ups that, especially medical things, where uh, there was no modern medicine to help people, and they were destined for pain and suffering uh, until they died. Um, but you were able to heal them. You were able to restore them. Uh, and you were able to, to take a man who had been controlled by a demon for many years and completely restore him. And, and, and you just demonstrated that power, which demonstrated who you were as, as the demon recognized you were, you are the son of God. And you, your power has, has not been diminished since then. You still have that power to heal uh, and to restore and to help people recover. And Lord, probably every single one of us in this room knows somebody in our life uh, who is hurting from addiction. Um, and, and they have, maybe they've tried many times and they've just not been able to overcome it. Uh, but perhaps they've never, uh, they've never uh, addressed it through your power. And Lord, uh, we want to just at least offer this opportunity for people who are hurting in our community to seek and find recovery. And so just give us wisdom as we move forward and as we learn about the program ourselves and grow and understand it. Uh, I pray that you will touch the hearts of everybody that's in this room and maybe those who are listening on Facebook um, and uh, to, to, to consider if this might be a calling for them. Uh, and Lord, as we began our training in a, a couple of weeks, uh, that, uh, that you'll lead just the right people to us to go forward with this program. Uh, so, Father, thank you for your power. Uh, thank you for your wisdom and your guidance through your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and we just ask all this in your son's name. Amen.